Yo, what's going on? It's the what's Connect up? Podcast. You're pumped up. I'm pumped up. I really am pumped up because uh, we have Steve Shireman here. Steve is with Blessed Barbecue, and uh, Steve is going to talk to us a little bit about smoking some meat, which that's incorrect. Smoking some protein. protein. Smoking is that protein. the right word? Protein is the right word. Smoking some protein. So, uh, yeah, really excited to have him. Uh, lots of uh, cool things that Steve Shireman is doing in his life as far as uh, starting up Blessed Barbecue and uh, some homeless ministry stuff that's going on. And we're going to get into all of that later. Uh, but to kick things off, I want to know from you guys, if you go into a barbecue place, what is your go-to? What do you like to order at any barbecue joint? So for me, I always go with two items. I go with brisket if it's available and pulled pork. Brisket and pulled pork, just because that's the flavor you like? I just like to see how it compares to mine. I see. That's fair. <laughs> I'll be honest. <laughs> I like it. What about you, Matt? Yeah, same thing. Brisket's super hard to make. So if you make a good brisket, then you are, this place is going to be legit. And then I think my favorite is just pulled pork. Like I could eat a pulled pork sandwich, I think, every day of my life. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I could eat anything that has barbecue sauce on it, yeah. <laughs> which is a Oh, here you go. I got this for you. Oh, I lost it. There that's you for go. you. That's yeah. The that's for it. Here's the thing, though. People get mad at me. I, I'm a sauce guy, and I like to put sauces on stuff, and I make lots of people angry. So here's a fun story. <laughs> I'm going to throw my brother-in-law under the bus a little bit here. So when we were in college, he spent a really long time like seasoning this steak and like was very intentional about it. <laughs> I kind of feel embarrassed about it, oh, but no. uh, he he serves it up, and I'm like, what's all that junk on my steak? And I just start scraping all the seasoning. <laughs> and then I pull out my A1 sauce, and I'm like, ah, there it is. That's ruined this steak all the uh-huh. time. A1, A1, A1. <laughs> just kill it. So, but I like A1 sauce. Here's, here's my question for you, though. If barbecue sauce is such a sin, then how come at every barbecue restaurant they have all of their variety of barbecue sauces that you can use. People like to be creative with sauces. And sauces do complement the meat. But real barbecue, uh-huh. if, you, if you truly are a barbecue enthusiast, uh-huh. you want the flavor of the meat. You don't want all the other stuff on I see. top of it. I'm a, I must be a sauce enthusiast. You, yes, you, you are. That's what well it is. Done, yeah. Yes. Huh? I don't. That's I, a good thing. I do. I actually, I always order it medium. Because they never cook it medium. They always overcook it. Um, and so if you order it well done, it comes out like charcoal. Yes. If you order it medium well, it's well. It's like they're always off by one, I feel like, everywhere that I go. So um, that's what I do. How so, do you get, so you eat yours medium well. Medium well. Which is still a sin. Still yeah, a actually. sin. Yeah. 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 I mean, it ha- I like a little bit of pink, but I don't like it to be like juice and blood. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a medium rare guy. And it's okay if it's closer to rare. But if you get closer to medium, then it's like... uh, I feel like when it's... The texture of it throws me. That's all right. It's like... It's... I don't know. What do you like? I like like medium rare to medium. So, but it's got to be right in... If it's too far on the medium side, then Mm -hmm. yeah, it's overdone. It's cool. You just put a little bit of sauce on it and it's good to go. You just mask the barbecue. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) Do you have a, a favorite flavor of barbecue sauce? So for me, I like sweet barbecue sauces. Uh-huh. Um, and another crutch that people and you do use. cook with barbecue sauce. You just don't oh, yeah. put it on afterwards. Yeah. So uh, when I do my pulled pork, I make a sweet peach glaze. Mm-hmm. You know that goes on to it, but it goes on homemade. To, uh, homemade. 
from scratch. So can you give me the detail? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> share it with you. A lot of corn syrup. Yeah. Uh, a little bit of sweet baby Ray's barbecue sauce, and then um, I use Smucker's peach jelly uh, or peach preserves. Okay, you like sweet too, don't you? I do. Yeah, if I was going barbecue sauce on meat, I would put, uh, yeah, sweet. Mm -hmm. So this, th I see we have our barbecue sauces in front of us here. We do the Crossroads barbecue sauce and that whiskey barbecue sauce that yeah. we have is one of the best is sauces it good? that I've ever had. Yes. I want. Yeah. I haven't tried it yet. I want to try it real bad. It's it's really good. It, it brings together like three loves: whiskey, sweet, and meat. Yeah. So is there any kick wrong. in it? Nope. No, no kick. I no, like just a little bit of kick. Yeah. No, it's it's just straight sweet goodness. Like the sweet spicy combo. Yeah. See, I'm not a spicy guy. Yeah. To, to me, a lot of people use a crutch and they put hot sauce on it because uh -huh. all you taste is the heat. Mm -hmm. you, you mask that flavor of the of the food. Sure. And you like the flavor of the meat. I love the meat flavor. If it's good. If it's good meat. Yeah. Is, is it the quality of the meat or is it the flavoring of the meat? Because I know with like brisket, I mean, does the flavor soak in all the way through the meat when you put a rub on it? That's really just on the no, outside, the, right? The rub is really just the bark. You yeah, know? yeah. Now the salt will, will infuse, you know, and some of the pepper will. But no, you're you're traditionally just getting the bark flavoring is the is the rub. Mm -hmm. uh, the meat itself is where the flavor is, you know. And the, they say the fattier the meat, the more flavorful the meat. And uh -huh. I completely agree with that. Uh, yeah. If you get a brisket, you have a point and a flat. Uh -huh. uh, the flat side is the lean side, uh, and the point is the the fatty side, uh, that's where all the flavor is. That's mm -hmm. where your burnt ends come from, you know, that just melt in your mouth when you take a bite. Mm -hmm. Unless you're eating Steve's burnt ends, and he makes it out of pork belly, which is a fantastic, ingenious idea. It's bacon candy. It's bacon, but you don't actually like bacon, Jared, so that might not actually appeal if to it, you. If it, ha if it has some sweet to the it. Only man, the sweet. only man in the world who does not like bacon. Yeah. You're, sitting, you're sitting with him. I like to put... Uh, Barbecue sauce on your bacon. Not barbecue sauce. Uh, <laughs> syrup. syrup. I like to put syrup on my bacon. <laughs> Stop it, Steve. You're, you're being mean. Oh, I get it. you like I barbecue. <laughs> oh, man. So, uh, Steve, you've been uh, kind of honing in on this craft for a while. When did you first start saying, man, I got to get me a smoker, and I'm going to start smoking some protein? So I actually got into into smoking proteins about three and a half years ago. Okay. Um, so I haven't been in it as long as a lot of people have. Mm -hmm. um, my father-in-law, uh, he had a, a grill, uh, and he cooked everything at 600 degrees uh, Fahrenheit. And nice. I mean, and they were they <laughs> nice were and done. Uh, he, he, wanted, <laughs> he only wanted to eat as soon as he got home. So he uh -huh. cranked that grill up, fired up, man. And, I mean, it was. He cooked it hot and fast. Uh, and I just never enjoyed the meat because it was always dried out mm -hmm. and, and frisbee. So. Um, That's how my mom likes it. A lot of people like it. That I don't way. understand You're just it. wasting a good piece of meat, if you ask me. Um, so, But I got into it uh, really watching uh, shows like Pitmasters, uh, Barbecue Pitmasters, mm -hmm. and Smoked. Uh, Myron Mixon had a couple of those series. Um, and I thought, you know what? That really looks interesting. I really want to try that. So I went out and bought my first Traeger uh, at Costco and threw on some meat. Uh, and, you know, they always say you can't make great barbecue until you make bad barbecue. And that is 100% true. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you 
you've really got to experiment and try different things to find out what works for you. Um, you know, uh, I always laugh at people who have never barbecued before. Uh, it's 4th of July, and they're like, I'm going out and buying a smoker because uh-huh. uh, I'm doing a family barbecue. And I'm like, oh, no, yeah, that's not going to end well <laughs> uh, because you you do have to make bad barbecue uh-huh. in order to have good barbecue. Because you, you learn along the way. Smoker. Yeah, there's yeah. so much to learn about the process. You mm-hmm. know? A lot of people are like, oh, dinner's at 5 p.m., you know, so I'm going to put my meat on at 7 a.m. Well, it's not going to be done in time for a 5 a.m. dinner um, if you really 5 want. 5 p.m.? Yeah, a 5 p.m. dinner. Yeah, yeah. Um, Sorry. I was know, like, like the whole next day? <laughs> You're waiting until the next morning to eat dinner? Sometimes. No. Yeah, I smoke uh, the brisket. Uh, the, uh, most of my briskets take between 17 and 24 hours. Okay. So they're a long, low and slow yeah. process. Um, yeah. We, uh, by the way, just as a side note, uh, Steve was awesome enough to bring us some of his brisket today. So just wanted to give a shout out to awesome Steve Shireman for. Yes, for, we've already participated that's in right. the goods. I'm, I'm, I'm actually slowly slipping into a food coma as we, <laughs> by the time we get, if my words are slurred, I apologize. That's right. <laughs> Did you have any barbecue sauce on that, bit, on that, on that protein? I didn't for you. I didn't put any, I, I wanted to honor the chef and I didn't put anything on, although I brought these in with full intention of cracking one open, but I didn't. The seal is still sealed. So you didn't need it. So part of me wanted it. If I, (laughs) I wanted it real bad as a compliment. Yeah. I'll make you some more so you can have a compliment of barbecue. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I'll make sure it's overdone. There you go. (laughs) I don't want it overdone. (laughs) I thought the. We're good. We're good. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so you and you got your Traeger because Traeger's the only smoker that works to make barbecue, right? Not true. Oh, okay. Uh, it's probably just one of the most commonly known. Um, and actually, my uh, my my father-in-law now has a smoker, so uh, he has a Traeger. That's where I learned about Traeger. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what makes uh, Traeger a Traeger? Like, what's so good about it? The, the ease and the convenience of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm, I'm considered a lazy smoker because mm-hmm. uh, I use pellet smokers. So you just set it and let it. Uh, you know, I can put my... You have on. so many of these cool, like, <laughs> set it and let it, slow and... What low. is the other one? Slow and low. Slow yeah, and slow I like them. I, yeah. I, I put my protein to bed every night. I give you a bell. <laughs> that one deserves a bell. Yeah. Keep going, Steve. Sorry. So no, uh, you know, it's just it's it's very easy for someone to learn on and to use. Yeah. You know, uh, the old fashioned stick burners. You were watching your fire and tending your fire every 15, 20 minutes for. 17, 18 hours. Mm. Uh, that's not enjoyable to me. Uh, I'm more of a like to put my, my protein on the on the smoker and go do my daily business and come back when it's done. Mm-hmm. So because uh, I monitor all. Does of it have protein. an app so you can watch the temperature? I do. I use an Inkbird. It does control. seriously. Yeah. That's a, I, I was making it up. I didn't yeah. know that's a real thing. Yeah, so that's I cool. Can, I can monitor my temperatures. Will it buzz you if it goes too high? It will. Like I an s- alarm. I set the alarms. Yeah. That's so cool. So you can get, get home. Yeah, yeah. When so, I was actually growing up, my we grew up on smoked meat, and uh, my dad was a big time smoker. But we had a bullet. There was no triggers or anything like that. And so, yeah, you you built the the charcoal in the bottom, and then you would soak your wood, and you'd mm-hmm. put it in, and then the soaked wood would the charcoal would burn it right like with and water smoke, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then it would filter up through the bullet to the top where the meat was sitting on top. And so it wasn't until I got married that. Um, that I realized that people don't actually smoke turkey for Thanksgiving because from as l- young as I could remember, uh, we always had smoked turkey for Thanksgiving. And so when my wife was like, hey, let's buy a turkey, what size do you think our oven would fit? I was like, what? 
who, who puts turkey in an oven? <laughs> and it was like, everybody, you idiot. Uh-huh. And I was like, not, no, not everybody. Yeah. Like, most people don't. Uh-huh. I was wrong. So anyways, but yeah, smoked, smoked turkey. Yeah. So I've made that a part of my life now. My kids only know smoked turkey. What's the thing where you drop the turkey into the bucket and it like fries up? Oh, deep fryer. Yeah, yeah. deep yeah. fryer, and you have to like be outside and it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. that seems like that's it'd the be opposite fun. of lazy barbecue. Yeah. Oh it's yeah. It's like fast <laughs> and furious. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh man. Dunk it and get it out before it <laughs> before it burns. Like it. The fire. <laughs> yeah. So Steve, you you buy your your smoker and you're like, man, this is a lot of fun. Uh, at what point does it start evolving into, hey? This might be something that I want to create a, a business out of. Well, actually, the way my uh, my opportunity came along was I was smoking uh, so much pulled pork uh, at home that my wife and my 15-year-old were like, well, uh, 13 at the time, was like, we love your pork, but we're sick of it. Take it to work. So I'm like, okay, I can do that. So mm-hmm. I did. I took it into work and uh, served it to the staff and uh, our uh, vice president of downtown experience who puts on the Taste of Colorado and uh, the beer garden and the different events in downtown Denver, um, who's not a big meat fan, uh, came to me and asked me if I would be interested in selling my barbecue. Yeah. And I was like, what? People want to pay for, pay money for this? Yeah. Uh, how does that work? So, um, you know, that's kind of how the whole process started, and that was right before COVID. Okay. Um, so uh, so we, this is fairly recent. This is fairly recent. This was right at 2019. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, uh, this opportunity came about, and we were looking at putting the barbecue in the beer garden. Mm-hmm. Well, then COVID happened, and no beer garden because everybody was shut down. Mm-hmm. So, um you know, I really started wrestling in in prayer, just saying, God, you gave me this talent, you gave me this gift. You know, how can I use it to to serve people? I love that. I have the gift of smoking meat. <laughs> I have this. I have the <laughs> yeah. gift of making that's food taste it. good. I love it, and I, you do. It is. You do. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't deny it. I just think that that's a, a great perspective. Continue. Yeah. So, uh, you know, so um, then all of a sudden the meat shortage happened, and nobody could get meat, or the prices were just sky high mm-hmm. you know, on 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 meat. So. Um, I had a I had a restaurant license, so I could purchase my meat at Restaurant Depot. Um, you know, so I said, well, how can we turn this into something that could could feed a family? You know, during these hard times, so I was able to come up with a way to to be able to sell pork per pound um, at ten dollars a pound. Well, one pound of pork will feed a family of four. Um, no, you're not going to eat a pound like I will. Yeah. Uh, you know, but but you can you could get away with feeding a family of four on ten dollars. Mm-hmm. So um, we created a Facebook page. Didn't think we'd get anybody, uh, you know, interested in it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I started. I, I threw it up on a Tuesday. I mean, on a I think on a on a Sunday for a for a Wednesday delivery, which meant I was smoking on Tuesday, and um, I had 27 orders. Wow. The first the first order. Yeah. And then I said, well, wow, that was incredible. So let's do it again on Saturday. So we did it again. And I had 35 orders, 13 of the original 27 mm-hmm. reordered because they wanted more. So mm-hmm. um, it just kind of evolved from there. Yeah. I mean, there's a rumor floating around that your meat is so good it turns vegetarians into meat eaters. My very first catering gig <laughs> for, uh, for Biscuit, uh, I, I had the opportunity to, uh, to serve a, a, a co-worker of mine her grandfather had passed away and it was his memorial service and uh one of her grandparents was sitting in the back uh, by the food and she was a vegetarian for 33 years and she said that the brisket smelled so good she could not resist Uh, so she had one slice and she went back and got two more so i don't know if i should feel guilty because i turned (laughs) a vegetarian into a carnivore Uh or if 
I should be proud. Yeah. yeah I think proud is, is where it's at. Absolutely. You know? More accolades in that direction. Like my dad. I give you another bell. My dad eats barbecue all over the country. Like it's a love of his. And so last time he was in, uh, I ordered from Steve. And Steve brought over like the whole thing. Like there was brisket and pulled pork and burnt ends and I think even sausage links. He brought it all over. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think my dad ate all like 25 pounds that he brought over in two days. We didn't have any left, but uh, my dad was like, man, that guy is going places with uh-huh. his food. And so. How much uh, barbecue sauce did he use? Hardly any. Because <laughs> my, my dad's a purist. He's a purist. Yeah. 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 Man, I. I just ruffle feathers everywhere I yeah, go, no, I guess. Yeah, no, no, it's, it's totally cool. So. Your eating habits are unique. That's right. <laughs> I, I, I've always felt that they were normal. but appara- train you. But apparently they're not. They're so not, They're not, no. I, no. Put, I put creamer in my coffee. I put barbecue sauce on my meat. You like additives. I do. I like, I like the mixtures. Yep. So, and I, hey, I think it's fair to know what you like to eat, and, and you eat it. Got to know. That's all right. Steve disagrees. We have to move forward. <laughs> to each their own. So that, that brings me great into our next segment, okay, which is I have two, two different do's and don'ts for you, okay? The first do and don't is what are the do's and don'ts of smoking meat? And then I added this just because of you today, uh, is what are the do's and don'ts of eating smoked meat or protein? Well, the, the biggest don't in barbecue is when you um, finish cooking your protein and you're getting ready to sit down and eat, uh, if you don't let your protein rest for a minimum of an hour, uh, you will be eating very dry barbecue. Interesting. Uh, The rest period really is the most critical portion of the entire cook. You can mess up most of the cook uh, and still have good barbecue as long as you allow it to rest. Because during the cooking process, what happens is all of the liquid and all of the juices are being pushed out of the meat because it's it's getting hotter, so that it's expanding. Um, So that liquid is all being pushed out. Well, when it's in the resting period, all of that juice comes back into the meat. Uh, and uh, then that's what turns into where does really it come from? It, it just comes from the, ex- the the outsides of the meat. Okay, it just, it just moistens that meat and it right and, it, and it re-infiltrates it into the meat. It. Okay, mm-hmm. and so, and that's the biggest mistake because most people go again dinner at five. I'm going to throw this on at seven, and it gets done at four forty-five. You pull it off and you got to got to slice it. it. You got to slice it and ready to go. And so that's why so many people mess up their barbecue is because mm-hmm. they don't they don't give it time to rest. An important step to the yeah. process. Yeah, my barbecue rests an average of three to four hours. Okay. So and all right. It, it's still so you say minimum an hour. Minimum. But really, an hour, I prefer three to four. Okay. Yeah. And when it's resting, is it completely off out of the smoker and just somewhere off? Yeah. So what I do is when I, when I take it off the smoker, I smoke all of my proteins in a pan. So okay. it's, it's in a it's in an aluminum pan, mm-hmm. um, and then I wrap it in aluminum foil. And then I wrap it in a blanket and throw it in a cooler. And it will sit in there for four what? hours. What? In a cooler? In a cooler. Okay. Let's back up. Back up. Let's start from the beginning. I want to hear the process. So okay? my process is. Starting with, you got to buy meat. You got you, you to gotta pick out your protein. Uh, is there a way that you pick that out? So there is. Um, you know, I look for. Fat. Fat is that is king. It's called marbling. Uh, it's called marbling. Yes. Okay. Good. So, um, I'm learning. And I'm looking uh, when if I'm going looking for a brisket, I want the largest brisket that they have in the case. So okay. Typically around 21, 22 pound brisket. Okay. Um, so uh, and then I look for the fat cap. 
to make sure that it's got a really good fat cap. And is that something sure. that you're looking for on the meat, or does it actually? Is there like numbers on the label? No, no, no. So on the label, you're going to get USDA choice, USDA prime. You might get Wagyu. You might get, um, you know, Black Angus. Uh, those are some of the different terms. But really, the grading process is cho- um, select, choice, and prime. Those are the ones you'll find in your grocery store. Which one do you like? Um, you know, as long as it has good marbling. It doesn't matter. Okay. Uh, you know, One of the interesting uh, things when it comes to brisket anybody. is that brisket was like a junk meat because yes. nobody knew what to do with it. And then in the south. Where does it come from? Like cow. on the body? The uh, shoulder. The, the shoulder. So yeah. right in here on the Okay. Cow. Yeah. So yeah. So it was the junk meat. Nobody knew what to do with it. And um, a lot of the poor southern people figured out how to, hey, if you put this on a fire and cook it low and slow for a long time, like hours on end, then it actually turns into this very moist, good meat, delicious meat. And so forever you could get brisket for not super cheap. <laughs> huh. And then Traeger showed up and now yeah. brisket prices are through the roof. Yeah. Yeah. Because now everybody wants it. Yep. So you, you pick out your brisket, you, you, you find the brisket that you want. And like I said, I look for something with a lot of marbling in it. Um, you know, um, I don't like to cook meats that have been frozen. Um, it does change the flavor profile. Um, a lot in my opinion so i prefer that i think fresh. so too um you know so so i'm looking for that and the way you can tell if it's we been agree frozen, on something that's right isn't that good making uh, progress the way you can tell if it's been frozen is if it's if you go to the meat counter and it's is cryovac in a bag and there's a lot of blood in the bag it's been frozen because it's defrosted and all that blood has expanded okay out. so you don't want a bag that's really bloody um you know so once you pick your brisket out um you know for me it turns into about a 44 step process from there okay to detail all of those so yes. get your pen out so, here okay yeah we're <laughs> ready right so i'm uh, gonna write on the table so i don't forget so uh, once you picked out your brisket then what i do is i take it home and i do what's called an injection so i will inject my brisket um, and you, I basically look at a brisket like a checkerboard, and I do it in one-inch squares. Okay. I will inject my, my meat injection, uh, which is typically just uh, miner's beef, beef rub or, or beef base um, and beef au jus. So you can buy it online. You can buy it in the store. Uh, you put it on the stove. You boil it uh, so that all the um, flavors mix, and then you let it cool because you never inject a brisket with, or uh, any protein with uh, a hot liquid. Because it would start cooking. It'll it. start cooking, and it'll burn the meat. So uh, you let it cool, and then I strain off all the fat particles because that will get jammed up in your injector. Um, so after I've, after I've strained it, then I'll inject. Uh, once I inject. What's the injector look like? just looks like a little uh like a syringe like okay. a little syringe okay uh, like you know when you you get blood yeah 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 drawn from you same kind of idea like that. Same okay idea. so okay um so after that's I what i was envisioning but i wasn't 100 yeah. percent sure yeah, it's just a just oversized injection okay so um then i put it back in the refrigerator and i let it sit for 12 hours overnight and then uh, you can let it sit longer it doesn't hurt it um you always want to inject a protein uh, because the more liquid you have in it, the more tender it's going to be. Um, a lot of people will say ah, it's an added step. You don't have to do it. Uh, you can get away with it, and you'll still make good barbecue. But if you want great barbecue. But not at blessed barbecue. Not at blessed barbecue. That's right. It's got to be injected. You have a standard. So, um, so then I pull it out, and then I trim it. So, and then the trimming is key too, because a lot of times the fat cap will be like a half inch thick, um, which is okay, but it, the, the fat won't render out during the cook 
having that much fat on it. So I trim it down. I, get, I remove all of the silver skin, which is that little bitty silver layer on top of the brisket. Um, I remove all of that. And then once I get it to the shape that I want it in, um, and then I apply my rub. I like traditional Central Texas barbecue, salt and pepper. I use 16 mesh bar or 16 mesh uh, ground pepper, and I use kosher salt. Is that what you have uh, over here? That's what I have here. Um, I buy all of my products from Lulu's Farms. They're located up just off Highway 85. Uh, and no, I'm not getting paid to say that. Uh, salt, kosher. It's just salt and pepper. Uh, it is a very traditional rub, but again, I like the taste of the protein. I'm not looking for the sauces and all the other additives. I want to taste that meat mm -hmm. uh, with a smoke flavor to it. So, so my traditional is just the uh, salt and pepper mix. Um, I did bring with me today uh, a couple of products from Meat Church. Uh, Meat Church makes phenomenal rubs. Uh, you would love them, Jared, because they do a lot of sauces and a lot of the other foo-foo additives. My kind um, of people. But uh, <laughs> the, the Meat Church line here is the all-purpose gospel. I heard rub. that word foo-foo, by the way. That's right. <laughs> uh, and then the holy cow. And really what those are is it's salt and pepper, but then they add paprika, they add onion powder, um, some garlic salt. But most competition barbecue people really like that red mahogany look for a bark on a brisket. Um, I prefer the black, which is what ground pepper uh, provides. But um, a lot of people really like that red mahogany look. That's what they equate great barbecue to. So that's why um, the Meat Church line has a lot of those additives that give it that competition look. Gotcha. Have you competed? I have never competed, and I have no desire to compete. Uh, I love to watch people smile when they eat my barbecue. Okay, I'm not a I'm not a one bite wonder, uh, hoping that the the one judge that took a bite of my food thought it was better than the other 400 on the line. Yeah, uh, I'm more about making people happy. Hey, that's a good place to be. Yeah, and I know that you are working at uh, trying to uh, open up a place downtown. I am. Um, and it's on. Is it on the it's on the 16th Street Mall. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, what I thought. It'll be a kiosk on the 16th Street Mall at 16th and Stout. 16th and Stout. Yep, just waiting for the city to... To open you up. Uh, at this place, will you have barbecue sauce available? There will be barbecue <laughs> sauce available. See? I'm yeah. not alone in and the world. Limited supply. Oh <laughs> man! Well, you, you cut him off on his process. Yeah, sorry. Continue you, you on gotta, your process. You got to finish okay. the process yeah, yeah. So, for the uh, listeners. I mean, there there's people at home right now writing this down. That's right. How to make a good that's brisket. That's right. Or maybe even in studio right now. We haven't even started cooking yet. Continue. No, we haven't cooked yet. So so then once you've got it trimmed, <laughs> um, there's two methods to applying the rub. A lot of people like to put um, either olive oil or mustard on the protein um, all it does is help bind the rub to the meat um, you can do that if you're if you're short on time uh, which i tell people if you're short on time at the rubbing process you're already gonna have bad barbecue because this is a long process mm -hmm. so um, but a lot of people do a lot of restaurants use it because they do they want to get the product on there um, you know the binder uh, holds it on there so that they can get it in their smoker quicker so um, typically I don't put a binder on it um, I just put the rub on my meat um, and the key to having a good rub is having a uniform equal layer of rub across the protein is that just done by shaking or do you actually like so massage the it's, meat. A, it's a big misconception. You don't actually rub 
the the rub into the meat because if you do you'll rub it you'll smear the rub across the meat so what i like to do is like a typewriter i shake i i do a shaker uh, and it's really high up on the meat so that it gets an even coat all the way across and i'll do two or three passes like this Nope. I so I shake. I do it like this from a shaker. I'll take that shaker. Open but I mean, it. if the meat's down here, you're shaking it from I'm up, up here. here. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. up here because you want that. Even That's how cut. Gordon Ramsay does it. I've seen it. Yep. Um, it just makes for a more uniform bark. Uh, the last thing you want is one big clump of bark that you bite into on a on a piece of protein. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, unless you really like a crunchy, crunchy bite, um, which. It's not bad, but not all in one big chunk. So, uh, so you want that nice uniform presence, and then um, I will put it in a in a aluminum foil hotel pan. Um, I'll put a rack in the bottom, and then I put the put the meat. So there's two ways you can do it. Uh, traditional is meat side um, down, and then people like me who cook it with fat side up. I'm sorry, I said that backwards. Fat side down is the traditional way. I cook fat side up, uh, but not for the reasons why people say. People believe that there's this magic that happens that when you cook it meat side up, that the fat goes through the meat. That does not happen. Um, that was where my head went, actually. A lot of people think that. Uh, it doesn't happen. Um, but what it does for me is it's actually in the presentation. So when I go to slice it, it's easier to have the fat cap on the top um, because... It just to me it presents better. Is that how you do the rub too? Then it's with so the fat. So I will do the I'll do the rub on the meat side first. Okay. And then you let that rub adhere for about 15, 20 minutes. You'll actually what I call sweat. The the meat will look like it's sweating because that salt is getting into the meat, um, and it does. It kind of gives it that glistening look. So once that happens, then I flip it over, and I do the same thing to the fat side, and then I will leave it in the pan. Um, I like to put uh, either apple juice. Or I'll pour in the rest of my miner's um, au jus into the bottom of that hotel pan because in the smoking process, it'll steam. And that steam helps the meat to stay the same size. Uh, It infuses that meat with moisture. So as it's pushing the moisture out, it's also getting the moisture uh, back in because of the steam process. So so I'll pour the liquid in the pan. Um, I put my thermoprobe in, uh, typically right where the point and the flat meet. And you can kind of see that on a brisket. Uh, you can see where the fat comes together to the point. Um, I'll stick it right in the middle. And then um, while during this process, I'll have my smoker already turned on at 250 degrees so that it's preheating. Um, I like to smoke with oak, wood, or um, apple. Those are my two favorites. Um, I've been uh, I've been playing around. And these are wood pellets. These are wood pellets. Yeah. yeah. So um, you always want to make sure that you get a wood pellet that's all natural wood and not uh, not glue and a whole bunch of other particles because who wants to eat glue on their meat? Quite honestly. Um, so I prefer the brand Lumberjack. Um, it just it it burns cleaner. Um, I have less ash at the end of the cook leftover, um, and they just make a really good quality product. Um, so. So I'll make sure that I have my pellet hopper full. My hopper holds 20 pounds of pellets. Um, That'll typically get me about 10 to 12 hours into my cook uh, before I have to add more pellets. So, um, but then uh, I set that temperature to 250 degrees and you want to wait until it hits 250 degrees before you put the meat on because that white smoke that comes out when you first fire it up, that's bad smoke. Uh, you you, You don't want a colored smoke 
on your meat. It will change the flavor profile. So you want it to be a really clean burn uh, before you put that meat on there. So that's why you let it uh, preheat as you're doing your rubbing mm -hmm. process because your rubbing <coughs> process is going to take about 30 to 45 minutes um, if you wait long enough to let the, the rub it here. Um, and then I stick it on the, the smoker. Um, I have hot spots on my smoker. Everybody does. And this is why I tell people you can't just go out on the 4th of July and buy a smoker and think you're going to make good barbecue because you have to know your smoker. Uh, you have to know where the hot spots are. You have to know, you know, where you're going to have to possibly turn your meat, rotate it, um, you know. So, um, so I have to set my protein just a little bit to the left of the firebox um, because the, right, the upper right corner, I'm sorry, upper left corner is my hot spot. Um, it'll be typically 10 to 15 degrees hotter in that corner than anywhere else in my smoker. Don't ask me how. It's a barrel smoker, but it happens. Mm -hmm. So um, so I offset my protein on the smoker pit, and then um, I close the lid. And I don't touch that thing again until it hits 165 degrees. On um, your thermometer? On the, on the, on the Inkbird Pro uh, mm -hmm. thermometer. So if you're, not, if you're looking, you're not cooking. If you're looking, you're not cooking. That Write that is one a, down. That's a good one because that is 100% true. Um, because every time you open that lid, you're letting heat out. Well, now the, the smoker has to get back up to temp, so it's going to mm -hmm. pour a whole bunch more pellets into your hopper, you know, or you're going to stuff a whole lot more wood into your firebox. Um, I heard you're not only not cooking, you're wasting money. You're wasting money. Let that thing sleep. You're not wasting money? Or no, it's a bad it, it thing. Just, it didn't rhyme. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> so then, um, so like I said, I, I let that thing through. sleep until it hits 165 degrees, um, you know. And by the time it hits 165 degrees, that bark is really where I, where I want it at. Um, it's got that nice dark color to it, um, and it's, it's pretty firm. So at that point, um, you can uh, pull it out, and then I wrap it. So before I wrap it, I'll pour more apple juice in, or I'll pour um, more of the miner's base that I've done. You can add water, it doesn't matter. You just want that liquid in there, because what you're gonna do now is you're basically gonna bake it. So you're going, you're going to, um, and here's a competition trick that a lot of people don't know, is you use parchment paper on top of the brisket before you put the aluminum foil. Now, I use the Texas Crutch, which is aluminum foil, because I cook everything in a hotel pan. Um, a lot of true, authentic barbecue people will tell you, but your paper is the only way you can do it. Um, my barbecue comes out great with with aluminum foil, but uh, but I use that piece of parchment paper in between the aluminum foil and the brisket because uh, a lot of times during that cooking period, that aluminum foil with it will adhere to the brisket, and Ooh. nobody wants a piece of aluminum foil on their meat. Yikes! So um, so that butcher or the the butcher paper or parchment paper what I use will keep that from from happening. So then you want a really tight seal aluminum foil around the pan. Um, and it's just going to basically roast um, until it hits 200, between 202 and 205 degrees. Um, and again, there's no time limit in that. Uh, it might take 12 hours to hit 202 degrees. It may take 20 hours to hit 202 degrees. Um, I don't touch it until that thermometer hits at least 202 degrees. Um, at that point, then you take it out. You leave it wrapped up. You, I, What I do is I take a blanket. Make sure you get an old blanket. Don't take your wife's brand new blanket because mm -hmm. she will kill you. Uh, take an old blanket. Um, moving pads work great. And then I wrap the brisket up, and then I put it in a cooler. 
I've got a 120 quart igloo cooler that I throw the brisket in and I let it rest for a minimum of three hours before I slice into it. Yep. And if you go 210, it turns into pot roast. If you go to 210, it, yeah, it's just mush. And you, and you add more barbecue sauce. <laughs> you add a lot of barbecue <laughs> sauce. At the a moment. lot of barbecue sauce. Oh, man. So it's a pretty, pretty uncomplicated process. Yeah, very simple. <laughs> you can do it this weekend, Jared. Yeah, yeah. I, I got to go buy my Traeger. My, my Traeger and uh, learn how to cook stuff wrong so that I'm ready to go this weekend. That's right. So, no, actually, uh, I'm really excited because um, there's uh, Blessed Barbecue is, is going to be involved in uh, doing a special event for some firefighters, right? Uh Downtown, where the where yeah, these so guys downtown, maybe before maybe uh, before you tell what the event is, um, one of the cool things about Blessed Barbecue is really their mission. That's true, and the mission that you have. So maybe speak to the mission and then the event and why you're doing yeah. the event. Yeah. So uh, with Blessed Barbecue, really, um, I really uh, I felt a call uh, to also serve the homeless community in downtown Denver. So. Um, Part of, part of the journey of this barbecue mission has been not just uh, creating a barbecue business, but really uh, serving the community. Um, and there are so many people in downtown that are experiencing homelessness, um, you know, who, who aren't necessarily the drug addict or the, the person who's suffering from mental illness who the world has just cast away and said, oh, they're no good anymore. Um, so with the mission of Blessed Barbecue is I want to bring in people who are experiencing homelessness that are transitioning their way out of homelessness. Uh, one, to teach them a culinary skill, and two, to be able to uh, to give them an opportunity to afford um, a, a, an honest wage in downtown. Yeah. Um, because as we know, the cost of living is very, very high in Colorado. So um, so it's really a twofold purpose. Um, there's, a, there's a mission to serve the first responders, which we're going to talk about in a minute, um, and then also the mission to to outreach and service uh, to the homeless community as well, and to bless the people that eat your food, and to bless the people. Yeah, that there's eat your all food. kinds of blessings going on. Uh, so what I was going to say about that is that we actually have another show uh, called Practical Living, uh, where um, I'm going to actually go and and Steve's going to show me how to uh, go through that entire process. Uh, we'll actually get to. Uh, I get to learn how to do it hands-on, um, and then we get to hopefully participate in this uh, this uh, blessing of, uh, of the firemen on, on 9-11 uh, as a, a tribute to them and, and all the hard work that they do. And so maybe you can tell us just a, a little insight of, of everything that's going on with that. Yeah, so um, Brookfield Properties is the, um, is the property that um, reached out to me and asked if I would be interested in partnering with them uh, to serve the firefighters on 9-11. So um, every year uh, for 9-11 Memorial, they do what's called a stair climb. Um, they chose 1801 California Street this year, um, where 343 firefighters in full gear will uh, climb 53 flights of stairs um, in honor of those firefighters that had to climb the stairs um, in the World Trade Towers. So um, it felt worthy of a bell. It, right. <laughs> so we're we're partnering to to serve the firefighters and their families uh, barbecue after the climb. Cool. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I'm I'm really excited about that. So the, uh, and obviously there's a lot of prep work and stuff that's going to go on for that. And so I'm excited that that we get to bring the show out and, and get to see that whole process and and, and see how all of that goes. Um, we hope to release the first season of Practical Living in October is the plan at this point. So um, hopefully. Uh, uh, that can be included in, in, in this first season uh, release. But um, my question is for anybody who's listening or, or, or paying attention to, to what's going on, 
how can how can we best support you um, in, in this particular event in, in supporting our, our firefighters and uh, and honoring them so right now uh brookfield a lot of their tenants have reached out to and they want it they want to financially contribute to to being able to feed these firefighters mm -hmm. so we are um we've created a um, a flyer for um for fundraising uh right now you can just go through my venmo account um we're still trying to figure out because blessed barbecue really does it, it's more than just a business it really is a ministry um i just haven't figured out how to do a 501c3 uh with a business uh, attached to it so because um, uh, this is one of many events that we're that we were going to be doing or that we've already done so we've already served the Denver Police Department um, during COVID back in October we were able to feed 150 firefighters I mean 150 police officers um, at District 6 um, Crossroads came down uh, with multiple other ministries um, we had I think we had 15 or 17 volunteers uh, that literally just hung out and served barbecue to the Denver Police Department because, um, as we all know, first responders are getting attacked right and left. You know, there's the defund the police movement. You know, the, the firefighters are constantly being called to uh, to deal with a lot of these social issues that um, we're facing in downtown Denver uh, that really don't warrant a, a firefighter's response. So as the city tries to navigate the best approach to how to deal with that, we're just trying to serve the community. So our goal at Blessed Barbecue is to be able to service um, all first responders, whether it's firefighters, police officers, uh, EMTs, um, along the entire front range. Uh, that's our that's our goal. So um, and Crossroads has been a tremendous partner in that. Um, you know, so uh, we want to continue that. So this is just the 9/11 Memorial is just one more event that we get to go and serve people towards Jesus. Um, you know, because really that's what it is. We're providing a meal. Um, but it's really that connection. It's that conversation piece. It's that, hey, love them the way Jesus would love them. Mm -hmm. you know? um, another thing I like to joke, and this is a little off topic or a little off, off segue. Uh, when Jesus fed the 5,000, uh, he didn't feed them broccoli and bread. Uh, mm -hmm. He wasn't a vegetarian. He fed them with fish and loaves. Yeah, it's probably smoked. Uh, Probably smoked fish. Smoked fish. fish. Yep. Uh, smoked absolutely. Fish. Mm -hmm. So, um, so that's really what Blessed Barbecue is all about. Is it's serving people towards Jesus, mm -hmm. which is right in line yeah. with the Crossroads. And you have such well. cool avenues to do that too. Yes. Uh, through serving the homeless community, through uh, just uh, your your heart and attitude to just man, I want people to enjoy my food, and I want to be able to to bless them in that way. Um, everyone's got to eat, right? And so, um, and then also being able to to love and serve your community. I just there's so many good things that that is going on with that. Uh, Steve, do you have any other thoughts or questions, Matt? No, I don't have any questions. I just you know, Steve and I have been friends for the better part of a decade now, and uh, his heart for uh, downtown is amazing for the city, and for those in the city. Um, one of the things he didn't mention is actually he serves as like the head of security for all of the 16th Street Mall. Uh, in that space. That's his actual day job mm -hmm. outside of cooking. And, uh, you know, um, before COVID, they were making remarkable strides under Steve's leadership, double digit in decline in crimes on the 16th Street Mall, three years in a row, right? Yeah. Three years in a row uh, under his leadership. And part of that was uh, really because of his care for people and care for the homeless community and his uh, ability to network within uh, the Denver businesses to go uh, we can lock people up, but would it be better to actually help them in different ways? And because of that heart, um, you know, he's, he's one of the guys who's trying to live out the very mission of Crossroads in the city. And, and now he's just, 
uh, gets an another amazing chance to share the gospel through barbecue. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's, it's always inspiration to see Steve in the way that he lives out his faith mm-hmm. uh, in the business world and in the, uh, you know, social justice spaces of, yeah. of our city. Yeah, that's good. Um, and that, that can cer- certainly be a topic for another time, but um, just uh, I really appreciate you not just looking at the, the homeless community and, and, you know, being frustrated or angry, uh, but actually uh, being innovative and trying to find ways to, to actually reach out and love and help people. So so thanks for doing that and for, for helping lead the way on that. Uh, man, we uh, are excited about all the wonderful things that Crossroads is doing and the things that we get to be a part of. Um, and so thank you guys so much for, for listening today, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Great.